Good morning and welcome to Church Online with the Oak Community Church. It's so great that you can join us and be with us. I really believe you're going to be blessed today. Uh, We are in our series of a month on mission and this week we're focusing on the work of Mozambique. I wonder why you might be thinking, are we focusing on Mozambique? Well, part of that story is about a couple called Guy and Mary. Guy and Mary, who many of you know, a major part of our church for a number of years, felt called to work in Mozambique. And so as their heart went there, our heart went also. And so to get us set off today, have a listen to Claire and to Guy and Mary talk to you about what drew them to Mozambique and what life is like out there. Obviously, we've been used to um, Mozambique because of Guy and Mary. That's how you know, we come to know Mozambique. And people have heard of Lisa Orlando and they've heard of yourself. Um, but Claire, tell us, you know, people won't know you nearly as well as Guy and Mary. So tell us a bit about yourself. Who are you and, and how did you come to find yourself in, in Mozambique? Uh, do you want the long story or the short story? Um, <laughs> I'm a, I'm a Brummy, a Brummy born. Um, grew up in Essex and then spent most of my adult life in, in Canterbury. Um, I uh, was blessed to, to grow up going to church. Um, at the age of 10, I became a Christian. I was baptised when I was 11. Um, and when I was about the age of sort of 17 in youth group, um, we had a youth leader that encouraged us to um, ask God what he wanted us to do with our lives. Um, and I felt that God say he wanted me to, um, to work with children um, and for that to be in an overseas setting. Um, so I went to I went to Brazil when I was 18 on a gap year I went back a couple more times for sort of month-long sort of trips Um, in 2010 I went to to Peru for a year and a half um, with a a different organization with Latin Link Um, and I always had this sense that I would be still serving overseas somewhere Um, so I've spent a lot of time kind of asking God where and when um, and a lot of time kind of hearing God say wait uh, and trust um, yeah, and yeah. I, I met Lisa a few years ago when she was at a mutual friend's birthday meal, actually, in Canterbury, where I was living at the time and where Lisa's from. Um, and like she said to, to many other people, she kind of said, oh, if you ever want to, you know, come out and visit us in Mozambique, then, um, then you're always welcome. Um, and then in the months that followed, I, I started to hear about Mozambique from lots of different places. Uh, and after a while, you kind of go, mm, God, are you, are you saying something here? Like, yeah. do I need to be praying about this? And kind of started to feel that it was right to, yeah, to pray about it. After a while, I kind of sent her an email and said, I don't even remember me. You met me at so-and-so's birthday meal. But could I possibly come out for six weeks and, um, and come and see what you guys do? Um, and actually, that meant that I had to leave my job and where I was living at the time. So I knew that a life change was coming, um, whether it was going to be here or somewhere else. Like, it, it was time to be doing something different. Um, and yeah, I came out, um, I spent six weeks out here very quickly. I just kind of felt that God given peace that actually this is where I was supposed to be and be coming to next. And, and at the beginning of that story, you, you speak about how you, um, you know, you were, you were taught to ask God, you know, uh, what do you want to do in my life? And then you just kind of said, Oh, you just said, I want you to go with children abroad. And, 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 and so you make it sound like, Hey, that's no big deal. Did that just feel natural? Or were you like, Oh my goodness me, what are you telling me God? Or, you know, did that take a while to adjust to that idea? I was um, really quite shy and quiet. Um, I mean, I still think of myself as shy, but I, I don't think I can. So um, I think the only way uh, God spoke to me very clearly um, and I mean, all, actually all through my teenage years, I felt that I would be serving with children. Um, yeah. But uh, that was just kind of a hard thing. I didn't know at that point that was kind of a Holy Spirit God thing. 
uh, as well. So um, God spoke to me a lot around the ages of sort of 16, 17. Um, I also went through a period of sort of having panic attacks and actually really being quite anxious and quite down. Um, and then uh, and, uh, and all through that, God was sort of teaching me um, that I needed to trust in him. And actually one of the verses, well, the verse that was given to me at my baptism was Proverbs 3, verses 5 to 7, which is trust in the Lord with all your heart um, and don't depend on your own understanding. So I, yeah, that's been a, that's, was a definitely a really important verse then and, and still now. So all through and God asked me to do stuff. My natural reaction is, ah, I can't do that. And then of course, you know, um, he kind of reminds me that actually you can still do this. So at that stage, kind of age 16 or 17, the, the idea of going to university scared me a lot more than going to Brazil on a gap year for six months to a country that I didn't speak the language with a team of three other people that I didn't know at that stage. So, um, yeah, I think God's, God's good and he's bigger yeah. than, um, than we can imagine. And so clearly your, your time in Mozambique is not your first time working abroad or working in a mission type capacity. Um, but what, what has surprised you in your time in Mozambique? Presumably you went there with certain preconceptions and some of those were true and some weren't so true. So what's, what's kind of changed in you or in your perception of things over that time? Oh, that's a hard question to answer. Um, I think one of the things that I love about being in this country is the people, like the Mozambican people. Um, and one of the things that has just blown me away and surprised me is their generosity, um, really. The fact that they can be living in, you know, not a lot more than kind of mud brick huts with sort of straw roofs. Um, but if they have two pairs of shoes and they have someone that needs a pair of shoes, they'll give one pair away to them. Just that kind of that community sense. Um, and I think that's really something that that's that struck me. And I really hope it's kind of changed me as well for the for the better just that that sense of helping out of really kind of being there both in a practical sense and, and sort of an emotional sense as well um yeah, you, yeah. So, <laughs> so, so so we are connected to Mozambique because you guys are connected to Mozambique um and so that now feels like somewhere where we want to have a heart for and should have a heart for but you were there first before us so you know what what drew you to Mozambique or was it a a, a pin on the map and any country would do or you know kind of what what's the connection we uh it was through zoe um at university she met up with uh, one of our directors lisa um uh she was speaking at a church event or christian union or something um and said at the end oh if anybody wants to come and visit then see me afterwards and so we went up and said well i don't want to come but my parents might and uh, we went and met them at the end of the, the, the term and picking her up um, and got on well with them and asked if we could come and visit for an mm. extended time. Mm. Back 20 plus years. 30. 30 years. <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> um, and we felt a calling in early 80s to go go somewhere, we weren't too sure where, we weren't too sure what, but we definitely felt there was a calling. And we, we worked around some missionary societies and we talked to people and everything sort of didn't turn yes. out. We decided we got it wrong and we had a family instead. Um, but that, that, um, that calling never left. We still felt, well, mm. 
And that's why we, when, when Zoe came up, it wasn't totally out of the blue. It was something that we've had and we, we've talked about, and, um, but we just pushed it to the mm. back burner until time yeah. came. Well, what we wanted to do for that time was to go on a trip, not a mission trip that's organised to go and paint some school or build, yeah. build something, but that you could just live yeah. um, in the country with, with other people and see what it's like, you know, because you can make up this wonderful story about living in Africa and, you know, I've been before, we've been before. Um, and so, you know, but can you cope? Mm, mm. But um, although each country is individual, there's a similarity across Sub-Saharan Africa. Right. And you get the red soil and the heat mm. and the smells and, and all this sort yeah, of thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, can you cope with that? You know, we were 60. Is this, is this something that we could do? Or is this, no, you know, you just mm. got this piney idea. Yes, yes. And so you, the, the, the trip that you first took out there for a visit, how long, how long were you out there? It was a few weeks, was it? Or five or six yeah. weeks we were out there. Did um, you feel that sense of this is right early in that five weeks or it took some reflection or kind of what does that process feel like? Uh, two, or, two or three weeks is a holiday. Yeah. You're still there and this is a holiday and, and, and we, we live elsewhere. And But after you get to week four, it begins, mm. oh, this is life. Mm. <laughs> I'm just living out here now. It's okay, we don't even work there for a no. long time, but it, it was enough to get out of, of, of the holiday mode yes. into this is what life could be like. Mm. And I think that was important. Mm. Uh, and so what you thought it would be and what you thought you would do, it, did that go in that direction or did it shift or, you know, here you are four and a half, five years later, uh, is it, are the things that you've done what you thought you would do or has, has things been different? We took out, I mean, five years ago, I was asking people for sewing machines and I got sewing machines and I bought scissors and I got fabric and cottons, knitting needles, wool, all those things. And they're being shared out now amongst all sorts of people who are very pleased with them, but I haven't actually used any of it for working with people. So <laughs> we, we designed the house with, with electric sockets on the outside, English, English ready sockets, for ready for the sewing machines so they can be used on the veranda. Wow. <laughs> and we haven't. So but, but we have used other things okay. and, and much more in other things. Because... Um, when we visited, uh, I got involved with a little boy who was uh, had cerebral palsy um, and was had serious problems. And I asked if I could sort of work with him. He's just a neighbour, just a few doors along, so quite easily going. And I used to go in and, and work with him a bit, uh, do the things. And um, when we came back, it became apparent. You know, I continued doing those things. And then Lisa said, oh, there's a little boy that I need you to meet. And um, because people there go out on their fields, uh, and his family went out for the fields for a long time, so we had to wait for, for him to come back. He came back and I started working with him and building up a relationship, which for him was a long time with toys and that sort of yes. thing. And then uh, it continued, it sort of blossomed and, and so... Um, the work I was working with more children, I couldn't do both no. the work with the children 
all of the craft. What about for yourself, Guy? Did it pan out the way you thought it would? Uh, the way I hoped it would, yes. yes. Um, I didn't want to do too much in the way of accounts work. I've done X years, which far too many years of accounts. Um, but of course, I did accounts for Master Sferdish when I was out there and uh, went to the bank and I did the toss for the bank manager and that kind of thing. Um, however, um, I ended up working with the kids as well. Mm. Not on such a formal basis. Um, it soon became clear that we weren't going to be able to run a, um, a club teaching them English or, or something like that. Um, but basic levels of, of literacy and, and stuff were so low that even with my Portuguese, I could teach them to read. <laughs> and I don't speak Portuguese well, no. but I can read Portuguese enough and I can, I can explain it to them. And is it that they don't speak any or write and read any language well, or is it just Portuguese is more helpful, so that's what you need to help them with? What's the, there are three the languages, three languages in the area, uh, Makua, Yao, and Nyanja, uh, and they all speak one of those or more than one of those. But Portuguese is the lingua franca for the whole country, and that's what the education comes in. Right. So if you don't speak Portuguese, yeah. you pretty well don't get an education. We currently in the UK are enjoying 32 degrees, wherever that is in the other number, I don't know. And we're all sweltering. We all imagine it's a hot life out in Mozambique. Well, what, what is life like living out there? I, I assume it's hot and cold and, you know, but what is, what is life like compared to the UK? Yeah, so it's, uh, yeah, so um, we being south of the equator, when it's hot in the UK, it's cold here. Now, the city of Lashinga is actually about 1,300 metres above sea level. So it actually gets quite cold here. We're just kind of, in the month of August, we're just starting to come out of our winter. But in June and July, it will get down to five or six degrees overnight. Um, and unfortunately, central heating is not a thing here. So it just means lots of layers um, and lots of blankets. Um, and as we head towards sort of September, October, um, we get warm and um, in Lashinga we get up to about 30, 35 degrees. In other parts of Mozambique, that can be 40, 45. So actually I'm quite thankful for where we are in Lashinga because yeah. although we get colder, we also don't get the, um, the big heat. And then kind of in end of November, December is when the rains start. And that is just torrential rain. It could be like that for a couple of hours. 10 minutes later, the skies will be bright blue sunshine. Um, kind of and you'll you'll find it hard to imagine that there was rivers of water flowing past your um your house um, and yeah. one of the things about life here like away from the weather is that it can often be a lot more unpredictable but somehow st life still finds a way of, of happening often not when you thought it would happen and often not in the way when you thought it would happen um one of the there's a phrase that orlando our team leader sort of says is that in africa there's always a way um, and that's very true. Um, another one of his phrases is that there's always space for one more in the car or the vehicle. <laughs> um, and that is also true. <laughs> if you're willing to have someone sit on your lap or have someone come in the back of your car and, and you can certainly give seatbelts a, a miss. <laughs> <laughs> so tell, for those who aren't familiar, um, tell people about the work of um, Pastors Verdes and what, you know, what is the mission and what is it that you do as a, as a complete you know, activity between all of you involved in the project? Yeah, so Pastors Verdes was started by, by Orlando and Lisa Morass, um, who I think some of you have, have had the pleasure of meeting. Um, and I think it was started, oh, I think it was about 12 years ago now. Um, and the, the heart of Pastors Verdes is to reach out to the community around us, um, to show in practical um, and 
yeah in practical ways like the love of Jesus um, so we all do that sort of using our different gifts uh, gifts and our, our skills um, so yeah some of that is sort of working with the men in kind of practical ways we've got some carpentry um, machines here so Orlando is able to kind of work with men um, to do those kind of things and, and often sort of spending time with the guards and um, and kind of showing about them with God's word and, and his love. Um, Lisa has got a real heart as an evangelist. That's kind of um, her, her natural gifting. So she um, uh, she uh, goes into our sort of community around us and, and we'll sort of um, uh, and we'll teach sort of Bible stories. Um, and people, it's a very oral culture here. So people are very used to kind of hearing stories passed down from one generation to, to another. Um, so the, yeah, so the, and Bible stories, Bible stories are used to kind of teach through the Bible sort of the key stories so for people to see why there is a need for a saviour and then for them to recognise that saviour when when Jesus comes. Um, as you know, Mary and Guy were sort of involved with, with, with work with children with, with disabilities um, and also with kind of literacy help and sort of homework help as, as well, giving them opportunities to, to read through the, the lending library that they had. Um, and also sort of just giving them opportunity sometimes to, to be children and to, to draw and to, um, and yeah. to play like that. Um, and my main work is actually a little bit different because my main work is, is on site. Um, and that's um, overseeing the, the boys' home. Um, and our boys are actually not from our local community. They're from further afield. Um, so I have friendships with, with women in the in the community and with others in town as well and obviously my heart is always to um to to show jesus to them um, but my main area of ministry work is is with the home yeah and when you say boys home what's the what's the age range of the boys in the home the youngest is kelvin and he's currently eight years old um and marcio is our oldest uh, he's a teenager now he's 13 yes we saw on facebook um you required a bit of land um I think there was a post about that um, recently. What's what's the what's the theory for that extra bit of land now then? Yeah, so we're um, we're realising that we um, uh, or our boys have to leave. Hang on, what, how do I want to say this? Um, when the boys reach the age of eighteen, then legally they have to stop living with us. Um, but one of the aims of 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 them living with us at Pastors Verdes is that they're able to to complete their education and possibly even to do further study. Um, and here, if you don't complete a school, then unfortunately you have to repeat it. Um, so our boys having coming from the backgrounds that they do, um, a lot of them have repeated school years, um, which means that very few of them will have completed their education by the age of 18. So if they leave us and they haven't completed their education, then we kind of feel like we, we haven't given them the best start in life that mm. we, we wanted to. So we're kind of thinking about how we can um, overcome that really. And, um, and the the land over the road from over from the land over the road from us um, was up for sale, um, and so we kind of started thinking about we're sort of calling it a halfway house. So it'll be somewhere that they can live from the age of eighteen, not forever, but probably sort of a couple of years, maybe to finish their education, yeah. maybe to they might be doing some training, maybe mechanics or carpentry or something like that to enable them to um, to have an income. So it's enable them to sort of live more independently, but we still with some um, sort of structured uh yeah helped um to them mm, wonderful as your time there comes to a close is there anything you particularly look at and go we're really you know we're really pleased that's something that we feel we, we were able to do or a life was able to impact or a, a change that we're able to make you know what do you look back on with a sense of of, of pride if we can use that word without sounding like we've been un, ungodly being pride but you know things that you're proud of i think 
probably we both would say, be pleased that we made relationships with Mozambicans mm. because that was what was most important. And that can be difficult for some people who are working out there. We were able to make good, solid relationships. Um, so much so that we've got a Mozambican, we've got Mozambican friends who are living in our house at the moment. Yeah. So through all the sort of lockdown stuff yeah. that's going on, they're living there. Yeah. Um, and that that really that is something that uh, really pleased us. About the week, yeah, the weekend, the Saturday before we came left on the Tuesday, we were at a friend of guys. Uh, she cooked us dinner. Um, and it actually was a day that wasn't really, there was a funeral she was supposed to be going to and she's, it's very important to attend her funeral, right. it was a neighbour, yeah. and um, so she went but she didn't stay for it all uh, because she knew we were coming wow. and what yeah. she didn't know, I, we didn't know at the time, that we actually wouldn't be there again for to yeah. to go to dinner the next Saturday, yes, the after, the chance, yeah. <laughs> yeah. we are, uh, and she's spoken to Guy yeah. on Messenger and that sort of thing. So yeah, mm. and, and obviously there, there's a there's a danger zone. I, hopefully we're all aware of the danger zone of the kind of the white Western saviors coming in, and you mm. know. And so so how how did you deal with that and not fall foul of that? Did were people apprehensive of your? I mean, you know, your appearing. You know, what what sort oh, of yes, there's, there's, a, there's a total barrier in a sense that you come from a, a culture where you've got everything. Yeah. And they come from a culture where they've got nothing. That's the perception. Yes, yeah, yeah. Um, and that's the way they feel about it. Uh, and it took a lot of, well, no, I'm, hello, I'm, yes. <laughs> can I be your mate sort of yes. thing? It took a, a long time to get through, obviously with the language barrier yes. being a, a yeah. further problem. But we, from the beginning, we tried to break that down. Yeah. Um, so when we went in, um, we built a house. And when that was done, we had a housewarming, um, and we had a housewarming for the village. Right. Which involved total <laughs> chaos. Somewhere in excess of 400 people turned up. <laughs> we have no idea how many. <laughs> they just say but the whole village came in. They didn't get in the house. No, no, but yeah. I, it wasn't in that. No, yeah, it didn't go that Because <laughs> there were just so many people around. But um, would that be a common thing that people do no. that? Or that's something you especially wanted to do to kind of open yourself to... No, the, 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 the normal thing is you would have had your local missionary friends around. Yeah. And we were very concerned from the beginning to lay down the marker that, mm. you know, we're part of this village. This is our home. This is our village. These are our neighbours. Um, and we think that over the period we, we managed to break down a yes. lot of those barriers. Um, we didn't get the, the Muzungu comment, you know, um, that's um, my white person yeah. in, in sort of swinging derogatory language, language you know, so it's, it's derogatory, yeah. you know, basically. It, it carries all sorts of connotations. Yeah. Um, they were once or twice at the beginning, but the, the, no, later on, gone. Yeah. You know, just the people um, walking through the village. Um, well, it's unusual, you know, you don't get a lot of white people through through, no. the, through the, the local villages. They might be in the middle of town, but so we, we still stick out a mile. Yeah. <laughs> You're different. Yes. <laughs> um, but that and having the, the kids in. Um, and so, but we walk through the village and all of a sudden, 
<laughs> you'd find you're surrounded by 20 children and they're all trying to go, oh, I brought my book back. Well, it's not the time. I don't want my book there. <laughs> Bring it back tomorrow. Or, uh, can we go? Is can we go and play with the toys today? No, you can't. It's Saturday. <laughs> so it's, uh, <laughs> obviously, yeah. you, you know, Ronnie and, um, and Cassie visited you um, last year and, mm -hmm. and they, they were quite, I mean, one of the things they were saying amongst many things was, this thing that you walk around the village and is it, is it Papa Guy or the Tio, Tio. Tio Guy? Right, it's it, uncle, yeah, yes. uncle Guy. Uh, people would call this out and then children would appear out of nowhere and oh, yeah. the Pied Piper would have arrived. Yes, <laughs> it could get quite awkward to walk around at times. The funniest thing was that we met a, we were together in the village, which wasn't always the case, and we met a, a lady whose children knew Guy. Uh, and came to draw and, and so on on the, our veranda and she didn't and she realised that it was a safe place she knew of Lisa Orlando yes. so it was you know she wasn't yes. so worried about her children but to meet oh you're Tio <laughs> face that... to the day yes all oh, right my fame goes before me <laughs> in a small part of Africa <laughs> I'm well known <laughs> So we are all um, we're all going through a global pandemic, and uh, we're all experiencing that in in different ways, and uh, all having our worlds turned upside down. And so, uh, how has COVID nineteen impacted Mozambique? How has it impacted your work and your community and and the work of the mission? Um, yeah, so we're uh, we're now in a well, Mozambique is now in its fifth month of restrictions. Um, so Mozambique has a system where it's got four levels of restrictions. So level one is the mildest, level four is the strictest, level four would be um, lockdown. And we've spent all of this time in level three. Um, so for us, that means that um, all gatherings greater than sort of about 10, 15 people are, are, um, are prohibited. So that means that all religious gatherings can't happen, such as church services. It means that all schools are shut, so our boys aren't going to school anymore. It, for us, it means that um, we can't do a lot of the normal work that we do. So the children's club that we have on Thursdays unfortunately can't happen. The discipleship that Lisa has on a Wednesday can't happen. Um, so it's changed our work quite a quite a lot. Um, for some of us, a bit like Lisa, that's it's kind of the things she normally does have stopped. Um, for me, my role as, as overseer of the boys' home, um, it's changed the nature of my work. So the boys are on site a lot more. Um, so that means that we have to do a lot more activities with them on site. Um, and in order to kind of make the most of this time, we've actually got tutors coming in for them. Um, so Mozambique um, hasn't actually registered that many cases um, or that many deaths. Um, I really hope that's true. Um, but we're also where there's probably a lack of testing going on and probably a lack of awareness from people um, as well. So our daily life, like washing hands, happens a lot more regularly than it did before. Before I go, if I'm outside of our site, before I go into any shop, anyone's home or, or any building that I wash my hands, um, and masks have been, face masks have been um, uh, essential for us from sort of the day one of the, the restrictions. So anytime right. I'm off site, I've always got, I've always got a mask on. Um, so that's quite common. Have you been uh, able, I presume you've been able to get hold of masks and things like that. Has that been hard to you know, get supply in the early stages or was that always available? Um, we've had people making them out of sort of the local material here. Um, so we've had people making them. The, the, there's tailors all over the place here. They sort of sit there and work in the market with their sewing machine. So, um, yeah, they've actually been they've been freely available. 
um, from yeah for cheap prices from from early on. So um, yeah, that's and, fine. And I think well, I mean you tell me because I might be wrong. I think a lot about market as you say, market life. You know, for shopping and things like that. Um, presumably that's you know we, we think of shops we think of going into Marks and Spencers and a nice little hand sanitizer at the beginning but you know what has that impacted that sort of market life and that that culture or does that carry on but at risk? Um, it has carried on I'm not sure if it should have done but so much of the shopping here is done through the market Um so the what happened before sort of our COVID restrictions happened um, is that actually a couple of the boys with one of the house parents would go to the market on a Monday afternoon and do the weekly and do the fresh shop. Um, and unfortunately, because we've got a responsibility to, to keep the boys safe, uh, we've stopped that from happening. So that's fallen back on, on me. Um, so I just have to be careful. I put hand sanitizer on before I go in. I put my mask on, don't touch my mouth or my face at all while I'm in there. And then once I'm back in the car, then I'm washing my hands. Um, again so uh, it's not ideal but it's unfortunately the only way and so obviously we worry about with covid you know for hospital care um and it's it's really good to hear the low number of of cases in your area but uh, if there were a problem i'm I'm presuming the hospital is not nearby or or massively well equipped what what, what's the situation with Uh, hospital care so Lashinga is kind of the, it's like the county town or the provincial town of our province. So it is the best equipped hospital in the local area. It's a five, 10 minute drive away. So it's close. It isn't well equipped, um, unfortunately. So I'm thankful that I've got kind of medical insurance or insurance that previously would have medevaced me to South Africa. That's now, now an option. It would medevac me down to, to Maputo. Um, but for most people here, um, Lashinga would be the hospital they would go to and they would do the best they could with the limited options they have. Um, but medicine quite often runs out here. Um, sometimes even the hospitals run out of malaria treatment, which is something oh. so basic here. So yes. it's, it's definitely not ideal to get COVID um, in this part of Mozambique. And I know we previously spoke about there, there seems to be some, or potentially some form of superstition around COVID and people's sort of lack of willingness to talk about it. Can you just tell us a bit more about that? Yeah, so there's a lot of people here that have like a lot of sort of traditional beliefs. So they might identify themselves as, as Catholic or as Christian or as Muslim, but sort of mixed in with that is kind of traditional beliefs about um, about what it is good to do and about um, sort of how to please the gods in some ways and how to keep them happy, to keep your family safe or to, uh, or to give yourselves a, a good harvest. Um, and some of that, you know, is kind of based upon some sort of facts sometimes. Um, but a lot of it kind of comes from lower level of education that actually, you know, people don't know what is actually fact because they, they haven't studied or they certainly haven't studied to, to any degree or level. So, um, yeah, so instead of kind of going to the hospital, um, then they would actually go to their local healer instead. Um, and the local healer normally isn't someone who has studied medicine in any form, um, but they might know some things about kind of local plants or that, again, it, it's something that is passed down from generation to, to generation or person to person, um, sort of local feeder and their skills and their talents. Um, and then unfortunately, often by the time people get to hospital, they're too sick to really kind of um, be helped. And actually, and then, and then that creates this fear that if you go to hospital, then you die. Right. Yeah. Um, but I mean, there's been two stories that's been going around sort of this part of Africa about COVID. One of them is that if you, in this part of the world, it's been if you open your Bible and you find a hair in it, and then you make a tea with that hair, drink the tea, and then that will protect you from COVID. Oh, wow. Um, um, 
and then the which I don't know if that sort of comes from their belief that somehow you know the divine power and nature of God will somehow protect them I don't know um, and then the other one is that the leaves of the avocado tree if you make a tea with that then that will somehow protect you um, and yeah and I don't know again if someone has read somewhere that avocado is supposed to help you and if that one has somehow started yeah. from that um, yeah. but that's very that's very common here and those kind of myths and beliefs are you know they're about covid but you can find that sort of thing for all areas of life here lastly i'd just like to say about giving today is a great opportunity to give to the work of the church but particularly to give to mission if you've not joined us for the last few weeks you may not know we as a church have dedicated ourselves to give away everything you give into the offerings this month we're going to give away to all the different mission areas that we're focusing on we really believe that God calls us to be givers as individuals and as a church. And it's part of our ministry and part of our calling to give. And so I want to encourage you to give generously this week and other weeks. This August, we're going to give away every single penny that you give. We're going to give away to each of the four missionary areas. And it's not just for random reasons. If you heard the first week in August when I preached, I spoke about how when we are called to follow Jesus, we're called to the things that matter to him. And in doing that, we do that in three ways. We do it by caring. We do it by caring. And we show our care so much by how we pray. And you're going to hear for a moment from Claire and Guy and Mary about areas that we might be praying about. We do it by sending. One of the things we send is money, which is why I want to encourage you to give. And we also do what God has called us to do by going, by being people who are on mission. And it's easy to think about that being abroad, but it can also be very local. It can be the very workplace that you're in, you feel called as your mission ground. And we're encouraging as many of you as feel like you can own the identity to let us know that you are on mission. And so there's a simple form you can fill out just to say, hey, I feel like God has called me to where I am. And so we can pray into that. We can cover you in prayer. And I believe right now that God has called so many people in our church to be on mission. It might not be language or way that you're used to describing yourself, but I'm hoping that over this month, you're going to get more and more comfortable with that. So have a listen to the last few interviews. I believe it's really going to challenge you on how we might pray, how we might give, and how we might go. What struck me about knowing you for, I don't know, how long have I known you? 15, 20 years, yeah, it must be something like that. Yeah, maybe. That you have been a couple that I have seen always with a perspective of, you know, whatever you're doing is for the Lord, whether it's in secular employment or, you know, voluntary work. And I wouldn't say that you became missionaries when you went to Mozambique, but I would say that your people have always been on mission. Is that a language that you would use or how would you describe your perspective on just serving God in everything you do? I'd say that uh, God has given us quite a lot. He's given us a house, he's given us money. We have all sorts of things with, uh, and we've chosen to use those assets, you know, for his, for his purposes, mm. whether you call that missionary, whether you call that service, um, I don't really care, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's using what you've got yeah. for God. And if God's given you a house, then use that house for God. We've got a house in the finger, we use that house 
for God. Yeah. We have disabled kids group in there. We have the kids who are on the balcony there. We don't have to. We could, we could go somewhere else yes. to do it, but we choose to use what we have mm. for God. Uh, and that was the same here. You know, we had the foster kids, um, and they they were in the house. They were yes. using our stuff, and um, we got paid a bit for it. But it wasn't it wasn't the payment no. they were doing it for. It was for the impact and the service to others. Yeah. Um, and that's the same with all our assets. That's the same with our money. Uh, first of all, you tithe. You know, if you don't tithe, what you do, you should tithe off your money first, and then you give. Mm. And that's always been our way. And we've been blessed. You know, money's yes. fallen. Money's fallen. You know, into yeah. our laps. We we've never never wanted for anything, and yet we've given away. You know, well over ten yes. percent for yeah. more than how many years? Yeah. And you know, I think it's it's that attitude of um, what I have, I have to use. Mm. And we've given away, we've tried to give away the prayer several times. <laughs> we now have it back outside and using it again, but there we are. Yes. Uh, we've yeah. given away a car before, yeah. before the prayer. Um, if God gives you stuff, mm. then use it. And if it's needed by someone else, yes, yes. Yeah. give it them. And that's, that's really what we've done with our, with our, our house, our right. asset, with our money. With yeah. that time, yeah, and that's yes. So if that's being a missionary, yeah, yeah, I'm I don't think it's much to do with being in Africa or being no. in no. in Bromley. It yeah. makes no difference. And I suppose I have, I have a particular perspective about um, employment as well. That just because you get employed doesn't mean you you don't do it for the Lord. I mean, I don't I don't was your mouth move, but I think about when you would talk about working in social services in, was it Lambeth Council? Southwark. Southwark, you know, and some of the projects you'd go there. I, I heard someone not just doing their job, but a heart for children and for yeah. things being run well. Is it, I don't know, is that how you see it or saw it then? Yeah, yeah. yeah I would say it's um, it's a heart thing. Um, it's something that God's planted. Um, my parents were the same Yeah, interesting. in many ways. Um, and in that way, we were influenced. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that, yeah, um, as Guy said, it's about serving. Yes. And he's given us these, he's given us opportunities. But I think one of the things about going to Mozambique was, um, before we had the children, so oh, well over 30 years now, we were going to uh, go and we didn't go and it was quite a big disappointment mm. to us and uh, then we decided we would have a family and then, um, but it, as Guy said, it never went away. We then um, were in a position that we could go mm. and we took that opportunity. But we also knew that if we didn't take that opportunity then, we were looking, we couldn't take it again because we don't yes. have the time. We're not, we're too old. Yes, yeah. And okay, so we're not really old now, but... You Starting know, now would be a different thing to start. It's a different thing. Um, the other thing is that people ask, well, how are, you going to, how are you going there for? Well, I don't know. Are you going for more than two years? Oh, yeah, yeah, we're, we're moving out there. 
you know, do you, do you, do you know how long you're going to live in your house? Uh, I've lived in houses shorter times than you've been in <laughs> You'll know that. <laughs> so, um, out of that comes, well, um, we, I would say it took us 18 months to really get in mm. to the work that mm. God has called us to do. Mm. So if we were only there for two years and we'd limited our time, but we've done our bit in two yes, years, yeah, yeah, yeah. where does it take you? Mm. It was nothing. And that was really, I, I suddenly looked at the timing and thought, wow, that, you know, for people generally, two years is a long time. Yes. You know, giving them two years, you know, yes. that's, that's fine. But if you're starting a project and everything else, the things that we did, we didn't, it was, yeah, yeah. 18 months. Yeah, it's hard to get things started yeah. in that period of time. And it was so. after 18 months that Heide and I started the, the group for the, for the mothers and the children. It was a bit like a toddler group. And at one point we were getting 20 mothers mm. with their children coming and meeting in the house and doing stuff. Yeah. And, so um, a couple of weeks ago, um, I, I preached a message that was a kind of um, an introduction to this month of as we focus on different mission areas. Um, and one of the things that I, um, one of the things I spoke about there was about the idea and, and the kind of the, the, the mental outlook on life that we're all missionaries. You know, we often think about people who are abroad as the missionaries uh, and we don't realise that if someone feels called to childcare or uh, healthcare or, you know, the local food bank or whatever, they don't necessarily see that label as missionary. Um, and so I was going to ask you, uh, you know, if you've always seen yourself as a missionary, but it sounds like, you know, from an early age, that similar kind of concept about God's got a plan for you has always been there. Um, was the word mission or missionary a special thing for abroad or have you always thought, thought about it that way as well? No, in fact, I would never call myself a missionary. Um, because I think that God asks us to serve wherever he asks us to serve. And for some of us, that's in our local area. For some of us, he might ask them to move to a different part of the UK for that. He might ask you to change jobs within the same town. Or he might ask you to be exactly where you are. Um, and for others, he asks us to, to do this uh, crazy, stupid thing of, of going to another country and actually trying to learn another language and another culture. Um, but God asks us all to do exactly the same thing wherever he puts us. Um, and actually it's up to us to, to hear him in that and to follow him in that. Um, so I would always say that God's asked me to serve overseas uh, rather than calling myself a, a missionary, right. because I think we are, like you say, we're all called to God's mission wherever we are um, yeah. and wherever we are to, to do that. Yeah, I mean, the thing that sticks most for me is that, I don't know, I guess when I read the Bible it's and spend time with God, it's like my heart is to kind of, is to know Jesus and to make him known. And I can't do just one half of that. That's lovely. Um, and, you know, some people are get real gifted, you know, verbally with a real sort of gift of evangelism. Um, and, and other people are kind of asked to serve, you know, in different ways. And I think God uses what we're good at and our strengths and our talents. And, and we can use that to serve him and to make others known or mm. to make him known to, yeah. to others as well. Like he often doesn't, you know, sometimes he does want us to do something that's big and scary and out of our comfort zone, but he also wants us to do the things that we enjoy doing, and that's for his glory and to bless him as well. Yeah. Um, 
I'm going to echo that back because I don't think you probably realise how profound that is. But just just because it's nice, that is lovely and simple, isn't it? You know, to 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 know God and to make Him known. And I love what you said when you're like, I can't do one half of that. Um, and that's mm. wonderful. That is, that, is, that is really great. And, and so as we seek to continue to care for and invest in, uh, in, in the work in Mozambique while you're not there, help us understand what does, it, what, what does it look like when you're on the other side of that fence and there's a church over here that says, yes, we care. What, what, what can the church do? What should the church do? How do we manifest that in a way that you go, yes, I feel like I'm actually cared for. It's not just something that's being said. What, 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 what helps? What should we be learning um, to do better at, to, to, to care more for, for people out there? Keep in contact, uh, regular contact. Don't feel that you're, um, you don't need to, that they're a long way off, so it, they've got their own lives. But keeping contact, I think, is a is a big thing. Mm. Um, it was great having uh, Cassie and Ronnie come out. Yeah, yeah. we've had a, um, two visits from all the kids yeah. uh, over the period, but Cassie and Ronnie coming was a yes was a bit different, and that was I felt they got got to grips with what it was yes you know because it, it's, it's it's radically different yes. it's so different that it, it's hard to tell unless you've actually been there yes. and seen and, and suddenly you know the, the lights went on all the rest yes i think regarding mozambique um and any other country do keep your eye on the news mm. um there were two really serious um storms in mozambique the year before, last year. Last year. Last year, yeah. And sometimes the news doesn't always tell the truth, but at least you can hear what. And people in in a storm in in a in a country like Mozambique, it's very serious. Mm. You know, buildings are not built like our buildings. Yes. And a lot of buildings, uh, uh, they're proper buildings. They're not shacks, but they're they're built of, of mud, um, uh, oven mud bricks, mud bricks, um, and so they're not as as they're not as strong. Mm. Uh, and they live for about five years these these houses, and then they take them down and they build another one. Mm. Um, but obviously, if the storm is bad, then they get washed away. Yes. Yeah. And they get all their things washed away. Wow. Uh, and you might say, well, they didn't have much. So, yeah. but it, it did matter. Yes. Because, it, you know, whatever you've got is precious to totally. you. Uh, lives. Yes. And things like death is easy in, in a lot of countries. It was, it, it became... We had a, a, a cemetery beyond our, and they would regularly you'd get the the um, funeral going past our, our gates, and the Christians they will sing. They go there's always usually a, a van of some kind at the front with a big cross, and you get all the choirs, and they're all singing. The uh, Muslims the quieter; they don't they tend to just go, but they're very swift the next day yes but it's it's pretty common mm. and so death is 
it's still terribly sad mm. for the yes. people concerned, but it, it's a, there's a slightly different attitude. But death is a part of life, out yes. Yeah. In a way, it's not over here. Yes. You know, if someone dies, or they're eighty-nine. Well, yes. they're eighty-nine. Yeah. Uh, so in, in Mozambique, someone's died. Yes, they were forty. They were sixteen. Yes. They were eight. Yes. Uh, but, and these sort of numbers can can crop up. Well, they're quite. You know, there's the people that they're the, the are seventy or eighty, but there's not the proportion. Mm. Mm. Not everyone gets to be seventy years old or eighty years old no. out there. It's it's just, and if a child dies, a child dies. Well, I don't know, it's a shame, but yeah. you know, children die. Well, uh, yeah. you know, over here, children yes. die. If a child dies, it's that's a major tragedy yeah. out there. Well, yes. that's part of life. This yeah, is what it's become that commonplace that it's, it's yeah yeah, yeah. we lost two of our yeah. children this since I've been yes over here yeah just in a few months yes yeah. yeah. two of the handicapped children have died yeah. so we we really want to as a church we really want to up our game in prayer we really want to be praying uh, praying people that praise more and we want to be praying into things not only in our church but outside of our church and so one of the things we want to be doing not only during this month ongoing is to, is to be holding um, you and the team up in in our prayers um, we could pray generally but you know is there some specific ways that that you would encourage us to be praying um, for for the work in Mozambique at this time um yeah I guess yeah if you could be um as I guess many of you will be aware that a guy Mary are, are sort of leaving the work here of Pastors Verges in some ways of kind of COVID's almost sort of they have left but um we are praying for new team members to come and join us um so uh, yeah it might be that you hear this and you kind of think oh God's stirring something in me and um, if you could be praying for us um as we yeah as we as we seek God and as we hear God as to who he'll be bringing out to to work with us next um and kind of and what they'll they'll bring to the team as well um, for my, me personally, if you could be praying for the boys as they grow up here, um, as I said, Marty was our oldest. He's now a teenager. He's thirteen. That's quite mm-hmm. scary. And um, if you could be praying for them that they um, that they grow up well, they grow up sort of learning about God and, and knowing, but not just learning about Him, but knowing Him as well. Um, that's kind of my heart for them. And if you could be praying for us um, here as a team, we are we're doing well. Um, but you know, COVID brings an added kind of stress on on top of um, of life here. Um, and it's obviously brought changes to, to all of our situations. So if you could be praying for us as kind of individuals, but also as we work together in a team through this, that we can we can see the opportunities um, that God may give us through this to, to continue to, to serve him and to make him known. Um, yeah. I think that would be great. No, thank you. Have a blessed week. God be with you.